You're listening to the Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comment section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. We're going to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up? And this is uh, nice to be back. It's been like, what, like three of these that I haven't done? <laughs> yeah, it's been a hot minute. I've missed you. Yeah, I missed you too. This is what happens when you don't kill a deer, though. <laughs> you, get, <laughs> you get exiled from the podcast. <laughs> um, hope, hopefully this weekend. Hope, hopefully this weekend I, I can oh, uh, yeah. I get one. That's uh, that's ma- main, uh, main event of... Uh, well, when this comes out, uh, you'll either see a picture of a deer or you won't see a picture of a deer. Um, but in, uh, in, in, in true, uh, fueled by the outdoors, uh, fashion, when this comes out, it will already have been after a hunt. And then you'll probably hear, uh, a buck breakdown story if I get one. And if not, you'll hear somebody else's buck breakdown story, hopefully. Hopefully mine. Yes. You're going to Kentucky this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to go Sunday evening, and then um, this is really a not the greatest weekend to hunt, but you got to go. Yeah. Um, if not for you know the sake of killing a deer, then for the sake of killing a deer the following weekend, because mm-hmm. you can get some pretty quality scouting in, and uh, there's just so much now. Yeah. I don't want to miss out on hunting because there's so much I want to know with what's going on with like different oaks that are dropping. What's the scrape activity mm-hmm. looking like, you know, stuff like that. So, um, and I'm excited because I am finally going to get to check a camera that's been out since like May. Oh, wow. On a buck's bed. So, nice. uh, as long as nothing happened with that camera, we should have, some kind of good quality intel it's probably like a deer that was born in may that was bedding there or struggled <laughs> there or something it'll be something stupid well let's hope not Let, let's hope not at all let's hope it's a, a a nice big mature deer yeah so so you know we're, we're we talk a lot about deer hunting but something that we haven't done in a while is talk about like taking well we've never done this actually i don't think uh, is different butchering methods, and yeah. this is this is more and more important because you you and I have had this discussion plenty of times. Like, what's the best way to get a deer out of the woods? What what do you do when you get it back to your house? I know both you and I uh, really appreciate the deer meat and everything that goes yes. along with it, and feeding our families by it. I literally just used my last pack of burger up two days ago. So my freezer has to get filled. And uh, last year it was buzzer beater with a muzzle loader in uh, December in Kentucky. Cause I had, you know, just the hardest time of my life trying to get on a deer or they just weren't showing up or uh, missed opportunities or whatever. However, um, we want to talk tonight about, you know, two very different ways of doing things. Uh, Chris has been doing a lot of public land hunting. And uh, you you hunted Bruce's farm, who was on the podcast last week. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, while 
you didn't pack it out the same way. Um, you <laughs> did like <laughs> very, very different. Uh, Slightly different stuff. than my public land experience. <laughs> um, and Josh's public land experience for that matter. And um, e even for deer on public land that I have, I've shot in the past. Uh, I've not ever done what you do currently. So I'll let you like, let, why don't we let you, cause it's fresh, uh, kind of go over what you've been doing and how you've been doing it. Then I'll kind of go over, you know, what I do to get a deer out of the woods and then we'll move into just butchering technique post that. Okay. So, um, man, Killing a deer on public land is almost like this rude awakening. And even for myself, who, I mean, I'm a very experienced butcher. I've butchered literally hundreds of deer. Um, and trying to figure out a system without that deer hanging is difficult. I don't care how many YouTube videos you watch. And all that. It's like it would be like me telling you to watch a video on how to play football and then expecting you to go into a game. It's right. just a different experience. Um, which is why fantasy football nerds generally aren't good at football. So <laughs> yeah, in all in all seriousness, um, it was a very rude awakening for me, even with some help. So and I had done a few of them before this year but uh this year really was the first time we'd done what i would call a real full pack out mm -hmm. because it's one thing to go kill a doe um that is easy you mm -hmm. don't have anything to worry about with a hide a cape nothing um so essentially you have to preserve that trophy and get the meat you know off the neck and everywhere else it's it's a you're walking a fine line so we started off with josh's buck in kentucky and um that one was difficult because he hit it really far back and it was like a super quartering shot so he hit it like in the front of the right hind leg and mm -hmm. it ended like I don't know, six inches from behind the shoulder or something like it was a crazy ass quartering away shot. And and mm -hmm. really, you know, when you think about it, I mean, he said he jerked to the right. I, I mean, he probably missed by like two or three inches, you oh, know, no, nothing, nothing crazy. Well, no, mm -hmm. like you miss like that on a broadside deer. You know, it's it's a different ball game. I think depending yeah, on you're what still probably, you're still probably hitting like uh, in front of the diaphragm, probably getting lung at some level. Yeah, as long as you're not too low, I agree. Um, so, well, that being said, though, um, when we found the deer, it was bloated, so it did make it a little more Ugh. challenging to uh, skin it. And and you know, you don't want to nick, you don't want to nick that and have that because the you know, it's a lot different with a deer where you shoot it in the head or you find it really quick or something. And I was I was explaining that to him as we were going doing my deer as well. Um, when you have to hire a dog or, you know, you mm -hmm. find it grid searching the next day or later that night like we did. I think it was. Uh, it was nine o'clock. 
Oh, it was like midnight when we found the deer. Oh, really? So it was like probably what what is that like 17 hours or something roughly five, oh geez that's why you think i was yeah. in colorado that's yeah why <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 okay yeah, yeah yeah so so it was like 17 hours basically or so or, or so give or take yeah before uh we found it so that thing you know it had been run basically through the guts the liver the diaphragm and uh, i would say he probably clicked clipped the back side of the offside lung as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but still the damn thing my god like what do you got to do to make these things die right so um when we found it that was kind of a challenge and we lost one the ham that he hit because mm -hmm. the you know it was septic and um i i just i didn't like the color i didn't like the smell and i explained it to him i was like hey man you can keep this if you want but i i wouldn't recommend it yeah, um, if if if, if, so, if something's got you know it's completely jellied over, it's like green. Um, it's it got that like, real um, weird smell to it. I I I cut it off and throw it away. I, I it just was like a, a a yellow green brown. Like yep. it wasn't the dark red. Yep. That you see from the meat. So it it's that gross kind of color yeah. that you get after you see something spoiling. Pretty much. Um, so I didn't like that. And I checked the other ham cause I was worried about both of them. And of course, you know, that's the, the biggest part of the, the meat yield. Right. right. So I'm freaking out. It's not even my deer. And I'm like, God, please let this other ham be okay. And it, it looked fine. So, and I was showing him like, Hey, see how this is red and the other one isn't. So, um, but essentially, uh, that was tricky because again, you don't want to nick the guts, you know, the stomach lining, at all because it'll just all that gas just forces everything out yep. and then you know it gets messy so you have a bad time yeah so um breaking down these deer these bucks um so we started off basically with my fillet knife and my fillet knife is good i have since upgraded a little bit and went to a different system and i like it a hell of a lot more um but I'll, I'll i'll start off you know with how i do it so essentially i like to get the animal on its belly if i can and have it stay on its belly <clears throat> and go right up the back mm -hmm. i make an incision up the back and then i come um down the back of the leg yep on the front leg there and i pop that leg out and of course you know you you cut around uh just below the kneecap and then skin it up pop the joint you mm -hmm. know do that on both sides and then um, i like to remove the shoulders first that way mm -hmm. i can get to the loin mm -hmm. easily the the show you know i'm not having to like pull the shoulder off or anything like that and again, the reason why I do this is because when you go up the back and basically unzip the deer from the spine, you pull the skin down on both sides. And now it's basically like the deer's laying stomach first on a blanket. Right. So none of the brisket, none of the, um, you know, the meat on the stomach, nothing is getting touched by dirt or, you know, sticks and leaves and all that. Even though that really, unless it's like dirt or something, it really doesn't even bother me because... 
um, that stuff comes off so mm -hmm. easily. Mm -hmm. Once you, you could lay that meat on a tray in the freezer and just firm it up, not even freeze it, and you're going to be able to just flick it off immediately yeah. with a fillet knife. So, um. Once I get the shoulders popped and taken off, which those are not held on by joints, it's like, you know, tendons and cartilage and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you easily just pop them right off. Um, you know, again, skin, make an incision all the way around the leg just below the kneecap, um, and then skin it upward and and pop that that joint there and break the bottom of the leg off so you're saving weight and um, you know, uh space as well. Um, and then you, uh, you put those in your game bag mm -hmm. and then you move along and, and guys, I, I want to preface this. Josh's deer is different because he lives in Kentucky. So mm -hmm. I don't have to debone that if you live in Ohio, if you're or, in, if you're in Kentucky, if you're keeping the deer in Kentucky, yeah. You don't have to debone it. If you're Correct. taking it across the border, same from Ohio to Kentucky, you have to debone the meat. And this yeah. is also important when you are uh you you're skull sculling a deer out or you're caping a deer out, <clears throat> uh, you cannot bring anything with brain matter across the nope. border either. Nope. So um, which we'll get into that as well. So yeah. um after I do that, I like to focus on the back legs and then work my way back up. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is I'll make an incision along the back of the leg all the way down to just below the tarsal there, skin around below the tarsal, and then work that upward with your knife, you know, skin it mm -hmm. upward. and again pop that joint. Now, here's where you got to be really careful. It, well, I mean, it all depends on what you're trying to do, but I like to keep that Achilles tendon intact. That way, if yes. I need to hang that quarter, I can hang it that way. Yep. Uh, you, you don't want to screw that up. So um, again, I pop that joint and then you work down into that hip cavity, um, pelvic cavity area and pop that little hip joint and then you can literally just run your knife right along the spine and then basically just skin it out um or excuse me work it out with your knife there it's really tough to explain this um mm -hmm. without a visual but uh so after i do both of the hind quarters obviously we get those put in in the game bags as well um i like to pull Every ounce, I, I like to, so since we're talking about doing a buck, I pull that cape up and skin it up as high as I can go. And at this mm -hmm. point, I've got the deer on its back um, because I've pulled the skin off the belly and everything. I remove the meat off of the stomach area. Um, I think they call it like plate meat or something. I don't know. Uh, skirt. It's, I mean, it basically turns into skirt steak. Skirt steak. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I remove the brisket meat and any other trimmings that I can get off of that thing. Mm -hmm. If it's a big deer and it's not like Josh's, you know, and bloated, like if it's a seriously big deer and I feel like I can get some quality meat between the ribs, let's 
pull it from between the ribs as well. Yeah. So um, then I pull that cape as far as I can up and, and take all the neck meat off. Mm -hmm. And then we're just going to basically pop that deer right behind the skull where the, the spine meets yeah. and sever that. And you can twist the head off. But a lot of times it's difficult to get up that high. So I, I carry a tiny little saw with me by um, Outdoor Edge. Mm -hmm. it, it's in my little two-pack of knives. Well, it's technically three. So it's the saw is by itself. It's a folding saw. And that's literally what it's for is to just cut bone. And uh, we, we pop the head off that way a lot of times. Um, and then that outdoor edge knife is what I've upgraded to. I had it the whole time. I just, I wanted to take a fillet knife and then I thought, well, I'll, I'll take this out this, this last mm -hmm. time and try it out. Oh my God. So, <laughs> so I will say cutting these deer up, it's been cleaner than any deer I've ever cleaned while hanging as far mm. as hair goes. Yeah, you get a couple leaves on it or something, but again, that's that's easy. Um, but hair is annoying. Now you can get it off, but it's annoying. So mm -hmm. um, it's really been cool to be able to do that. And uh, so with this last deer, using that shorter, deeper blade on that outdoor edge mm -hmm. was really nice for popping joints. Um, my fillet knife was a little flimsy. The other thing, though. It comes with a special gutting knife. The end the gut of the, hook. Well, it's not a gut hook. Okay. It's a knife blade, but like the only way I know how to describe it is the end is round, like the where the point of the knife would be. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly round. Like I could hit you in the face with it and it wouldn't even leave a mark. Like a butter knife? Mm, think of like the end of a button. Okay. Like literally not a blade at all. It's just the end of a blade that isn't the blade. It's okay. tough to describe. And then you come about three eighths of an inch or so past that on the underside of the blade. And then it's razor sharp. Mm. So essentially, if you make a tiny slit in your deer, you could just shove that into the deer and it wouldn't mm. stab it. Yeah. But if if you just make it have a shallow angle <clears throat> and run it up that deer, dude, it will unzip that thing right now. And what's great, and and I was showing Bruce this, I believe mm -hmm. it was him anyway. If you keep the blade on the underside of the skin, you're not cutting hair. You're right. cutting hide, and then the hide gets out of the way of the blade. Yep. And then you lose less hair off the cape, therefore keeping your meat cleaner. Yep. Not to mention, it's stupid fast mm -hmm. um, because that's the only thing you're doing with that blade. So, it, you know, it, it's tough to dull it. So the last thing I do, though, sorry to ADD the hell out of you guys. <laughs> the last thing I do is I and, and this is all the gutless method for those that like to keep the heart, liver, you know, even the lungs to make treats for their dogs. Cool. Kudos. Right now, I'm not at a point where I feel like I want to eat that or anything like that. So I do the gutless method. And the cool part about the gutless method is I literally never open up the cavity. Mm -hmm. 
I don't have to do any of that. And I take everything that I want from that deer. So all four quarters, the loins, the neck meat, the brisket, the, the skirt steak meat off the sides of the stomach, um, all the meat. And then I can even get the inner loins off the underside of the spine in front of the hips there without ever entering the cavity, which is absolutely freaking glorious. Mm -hmm. well, I don't know if you've ever done that, but essentially, no. if you make an incision just underneath the spine, mm -hmm. in front of the hips, between the hips and the last rib, yeah, that's where your inner loin is. You can literally run your knife, um, what I would call flush with the underside of the spine, and and literally skin that thing out. You know, you can trim nice. that thing right out, and you reach in mm -hmm. and peel it right out. You basically got to cut the ends, and you know. Uh, sever the connecting tissue there and 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 we'll have a video on all this as well but um, it's cool as hell so that's pretty much how we break down the animal and then um, if you're on public land and you're transferring it then you need to carry a scalpel of some sort with you or a really good sharp paring knife or something um, and watch some videos on how to skin out a buckhead if you plan to keep them out you have to skin it out just like a taxidermist would. And um, then you have to cap the skull. Mm -hmm. And um, at that point, you can, you know, the brain stays in the skull. Generally, if it doesn't, <clears throat> you can flick it out. And then another thing I like to do just in case, you know, somebody were to pull you over or whatever and question you, I throw salt on the underside of the cap um, just to make sure it's just drying things out and killing everything as best it yep. can. So, um, so that's pretty much, you know, how we do that. And then, you know, depending on where we're at, you know, if, if, if we're out uh, on the public and let's say we're transferring that, I won't even bother. You know, we did this with my father-in-law's doe on public. Um, I think it took me like an hour and seven minutes to completely break down the animal from bones and all. Um, nice. I got skinned, quartered, whole nine, and then I literally just started deboning it in the field. So that way we only had to carry the meat. And uh, again, we would have been perfectly legal to take the quarters because we're in mm -hmm. Ohio. We're not taking it anywhere else across state lines. But I just wanted to see what it was like in the field to do that. And I also didn't really want to have legs sticking out everywhere. We had a pretty good hike out up a really freaking big hill so i wasn't interested in carrying any more than i had right. to so um but that's pretty much we do what we do and then um one last trick i'll tell you guys about a lot of you already know i'm sure but uh for those that really appreciate the 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 wild game cuisine and and putting everything you can into it i know not everybody has a you know a walk-in or access to one or whatever um which I've not used my own yet. Um, take a cooler and put some ice on the bottom, stick your quarters or your bags of meat in there and cover it in ice and do some layers. And then just open the drain plug up a little bit and let it bleed out and let it age for three or four days or whatever. You can even do seven. I just highly recommend that you keep it cold as hell and try not to let the water, um, you know, get into the meat too much. Um, what I try to do, honestly, is keep all my stuff kind of on top 
of the ice and ice packed around it, but not on top. And mm -hmm. then I'll flip it, you know, the next day. <clears throat> so that way it just keeps everything cool. But that's deboned meat. And again, right. you know, for those that don't know, the best, quickest way to cool down your meat, get it off, get off the bone. bone. Whether it's a freaking squirrel or an elk, even though a squirrel you ain't got to worry about. Um, but, you know, a deer, if you're in hot weather, get that meat off the bone. Get it in the cooler. The quicker you cool down the meat, and, you know, let's say if you age that for five to seven days, seven being, you know, pretty much your sweet spot, I'd say, you're going to have a different experience than the guy who packaged all of his stuff like my dumbass did for years, <laughs> you know, the day after he killed it or the day that he killed yeah. it. Um, it's a different, it is a different dining experience completely. Yes, so it is. That That is pretty much my process for the butchering. And again, we're going to do a complete video and we're actually going to hold a class for anybody that attends. We might put like a, I don't even know if we're going to charge people. We might put a tip jar out or something, mm -hmm. we'll pay for the, the cooler stuff or something, you know, or donate to charity or what the hell ever. But um, there's so many people that don't know how to clean a deer at right. all. So it, it's, 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 it's amazing to me, especially. So I, I've never done the gutless method. Um, before I, I am, I am the, uh, typical Midwestern way of doing things. So the way, the way I've always done it is, you know, Chris just kind of gave you a way that a, a lot of Western hunters use that method and it's kind of made its way back East, um, as people are hunting on public more and more. The thing I will say about that with using a gutless method is, uh, you know, you get late in the season in some of these areas. And places are riddled with deer bones. So, you know, be mindful if you're dragging deer up near the trucks and that kind of stuff. You know, don't leave all your bones like right next to the road or whatever. Like, you know, take them back and like at least chuck them in the woods in a, you know, an area that might be a little bit farther away. So you're not, you know, dirtying up the place and making WMAs look uh kind of cruddy i can think of one in particular that we've talked about where it's it looked like the elephant graveyard from the lion king when you drove in um, <laughs> so if you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well that cuts weight from your clothing but not from your wallet check out huntworth whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid-season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham Lightweight Hunting Pants and the Midweight Shelton Hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions when fishing and hunting. So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand-assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid, and I got to tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. 
I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really, really impressed. To learn more for yourself, check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com. But anyways, uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and kind of say my piece about this. Um, so when when I get a deer down, or when someone in my family gets a deer down, uh, normally uh, we do we do not do a pack out. We do a haul out, and uh, I have always either done it with, and I'm sure you've had one at one point, Chris. The orange straps that go over your shoulder that you tie the rope to the deer and then you drag it out that way. Or we have a deer cart. Um, it's it's an old one. API made it. They don't make them anymore. Let me rephrase that. They make one, but it's garbage. Um, it's like a tree stand mixed with a cart. And it's it's not the same. This one, uh, you know, is, is just for sole purpose of getting cart, it, it, uh, getting a deer in and out of an area. I've used it plenty of times. I've used it on public. I've used it on private. It, it's a great handy tool for you. If you can find one, good luck trying to find one on eBay or anything. Once guys got them, they never, they never resell them. I wish I could uh, figure out the name of them. Uh, if I do, I'll say it on the next podcast. But anyways, once you get a deer down, um, in my eyes, uh, you, you start going to work. You Once you find the deer, you uh, I gut. So... You you were talking about using a fillet knife. I keep no less than three knives in my pack. I have two Schrade old timers. Uh, I've I've used those you know as long as I can remember. I have a small like it's almost like a gun handle bow uh, bone saw uh, that you can use to crack the pelvic area or the sternum, depending upon how far up you want to go. Or I have um, that knife, uh, oh, the one that's on the on your shelf behind you, on on top of the shelf. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I know. Yeah, what you're uh, I, I hell's. Is that what it's called? It's an H word. I think it's hell's. It's a weird, it's a weird H word. I yeah. Think. I don't know. Well, that's we'll driving me batshit crazy. <laughs> All right, keep talking. Uh, so, so when when I go when I go ahead and I do that, Healy. I then, huh? Healy. Healy. Yeah. So once once we get it strapped onto the cart, get it back to where we're going, camp, home, whatever, um, and we get it hung up on a gambrel. And for those of you that don't know what a gambrel is, a gambrel is basically a triangular piece of metal with two hooks on uh, the opposite points of one another. A rope is tied to the top of it. It goes over a tree limb or on a hoist. And then you put two holes, you put a hole in behind each one of the tendons on the deer's back legs and you hang it. I always let mine hang overnight at a bare minimum. Like if I shoot a deer, I want it to hang at least overnight to get all the blood hardened and everything like that. From that point, the following day, what I'll do is I'll start in, I start at the back legs and work my way down. So basically, like Chris said, you're, you're unzipping it, but you're doing it in the reverse. I, I start on the belly of the deer, but the deer is hanging up. So I'll make an incision on the back legs uh, that kind of runs to the open spot of where um, the meat starts 
and I'll make a small cut around uh, the top parts, not cutting the Achilles tendon because if you cut the Achilles tendon when you have a deer hung, like the leg sags and it, it makes it such a pain in the ass. Uh, so you really need to watch that part of it. So stay clear of that un until the very end. Um, and then I start working my way down, pulling uh, the hide down as much as I can, cutting the tail. Um, I will save the tail for people to, for, uh, to make flies with oftentimes. So I, I do keep that. I keep it separate from the meat, though. Um, <clears throat> I then pull the hide away. I don't pull the hair. Because like Chris said, if you're pulling hair, the likelihood that it's going to get on your meat is, is far greater. So I try to get it all the way down past the front shoulders. And, and, the, re and the reason for that is I want it down to just like where the, like it's just above, above, like below the neck. And that allows you to access almost every piece of meat on that deer. I start with going in and getting the inner loins. Uh, and I'll be clear about this. If if meat looks gross to me, I'm not getting it. And by gross, I mean, you know, if if I'm not willing to eat the piece of meat, I'm not going to serve it to somebody else. So if it's green or yellow, <clears throat> it goes in the trash. Like it, it, it's an it's a non-starter for me. But I go in, I get the loins, I then go and I um Go and get the loins. Sorry, forgot what I was saying. Go in and get the loins. And then I go ahead and I take off the front shoulders. And the reason the reason I do, I snap, I snap the, go to the knuckle, snap that off, um, cut, cut the hide away from it. And that allows you to pull, pull it away a little bit more. I go ahead and I just take the shoulders off and throw them in a cooler. Then I work and I do the, do you call the back straps? You call those just back straps, right? Yeah, so okay. Let's so tenderloins, tenderloins are in the middle or in the inside. Yes. Correct? Okay. Yes. And then back straps are not tenderloins. Correct, and it drives me crazy <laughs> when people call them tenderloins because the inner or tenderloin is very, very different from the loin. Now the loin is great. The back straps are amazing. Yeah, but they don't even compare to the inner loins and they are two separate pieces of meat. Yeah. And, and for, for like other slang that these things are called sweet strips or another word that I've heard used for the inner loins. Uh, that's, that's what I grew up calling them forever. And then you have backstrap. So generally those are your two most prized cuts of meat on, on the animal. So I'll get all that off. And I'll start at the back haunches, go all the way down to the front shoulders with the, uh, with the back straps and then start, um, I'll leave those whole and then I'll go from there. I'll go in. If it's a big deer, I'll cut all the meat out of the ribs. I will, uh, do roasts in pieces. So there's basically three main pieces on the back ham. If you're taking it off, off the rump of the deer. You can kind of section it off and you'll see, you'll just kind of run your knife in up against the back part of the leg and you'll pull up and you can go underneath it and it all just kind of folds off of the deer and there's lines there. I usually cut along those lines and I will make two to three roasts out of that and I'll go ahead and put that in a cooler. So I do that on one side. I do that on the other side 
and then I'll go pull everything all the way down, and then I'll get the neck meat, brisket meat, things like that. Neck meat is one of those things where you can take it off and make a whole neck roast, or it's uh, really good ground meat. Like I, that we'll either use that for stew meat, we'll use that for grind or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this this is the part that people are probably going to get pissed about and be like, oh my God, why do you do that? Oh my so, God. So when the way that Chris said to age the deer is one way of doing it. Now I have told you all my meat is already in the cooler. I just dump the ice on top of it. Really? I dump the ice on top of it and I age it that way. And people are probably saying, oh my gosh, so gross. Why would you do that? Does it discolor the meat? Yes. Guess what happens when you cut a little like bit of the rind off? It's the same color. You're still aging the meat. But here's the thing. And this is the key thing that you brought up earlier. I bleed that meat off over the course of three days. Minimum. You bleed it off for three days minimum. You get everything in your house. And then I start trimming. I, I'll start trimming with, I have, I have a butcher kit that I use. I have a, um, I have a fillet knife, like an eight inch fillet knife. I've got my, both my shreds. I have a, um, oh, what the hell is it called? A, bu- a butcher's, um, a cleaver and uh, a mallet. And the reason for that is, uh, if I've got a bone, like let's say I'm wanting to make uh, something with bones still in it, like if I want to make asabuco with shank or something like that, um, I can take a saw and make a small slice, put that butcher's cleaver in there, tap it with a rubber mallet, and it will break the bone clean. Or if you're trying to break a joint, it's the same thing. So it, it's a good way of going about it. Now, in reality, uh, I will then package, you know, I'll package things out the way I want. Like if I know I want roasts or steaks, I'll, I'll take what I want from that. My first deer of the year normally goes completely ground, uh, except for the back straps. Hear me out. Hear me out. Um, remember usually first deer of the year is a doe. So it's, it's not, it's not like I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to, if we're low on burger, we go for burger first. I take the back straps and uh, sweet strips, leave those be. I keep a roast off of each one because I make pastrami out of the roasts. And then mm-hmm. I, gr- I grind the rest of it. And that and that gives me enough burger normally for a good long while because I can get burger off of other deers. Second deer, almost all steaks. All steaks and roasts, all whole pieces and things like that. Because to me, that that's where, that's that's what I want. And I, and while I love to eat that as much, my kids will eat burger a lot more than they'll necessarily eat the steaks. So, uh, as, as you're done wincing about hearing me, um, not you, but our listeners at this point about me doing the water on the meat, I do want to say this, uh, this is also a very traditional way of, of doing this. Um, if you go, if you go and look, um, native Hawaiians do this. Uh, other, you know, other tribes, you know, throw meat in the water, what, like let it sit there, keep it cold. There's a lot of stuff that you can do with that kind of stuff. And it keeps it 
it keeps it palatable. Like you're not for for some people when they process game, they don't take care of it right. This is a very easy way of taking care of it, but you have to remember to process it. There's too many people who will leave it in a cooler and then they'll say, "Oh yeah, about I forgot about that deer," and then it, your your meat's completely ruined, and you and you've you know you've ruined a deer. So realistically, that that is the way that I go about processing like whole cuts of meat. Um, I know some guys, Josh, who still has two legs in my freezer, um, <laughs> uh, prefer to do it like, like pull out whole pieces and then butcher it. And you're still, you're still essentially dry aging a deer. When you do that, um, when you put it in a freezer, it does freeze all the water. So you're essentially dry aging the meat still. Yeah. So depending, so you're still doing it. You're not wet aging it like with a marinade or something like that. Um, deer gets mushy and can be really awkward and weird with that because it doesn't have any fat on it. So nothing else is soaking up, uh, soaking up with it. that. That's we can get into the jerky conversation with how that works um, after a while too. But that is essentially how um, I process a deer. Now, if I'm keeping a, if I'm caping it out. Um, what I do, and this is probably not the greatest, um, I will pull down to where you said, and then I will lop the head off with a saw and right, right at that act, the, um, the xiphoid pro no xiphoid process is sternum, the axis in the, in the, or the atlas and the axis in the back. And I will <clears throat> then just leave the head hole and then I'll take it to a taxidermist. Yeah. So only if that's in state though, can't obviously, I prefer Euro mounts anyways, but I also just give somebody the whole head if I want a Euro mount done. Um, one thing I will say that I used to do that worked really well. It's actually better than a cooler. Um, hands down. It's basically a mini walk-in is to get an old refrigerator, mm -hmm. and get you a clean bucket, and then a lot of times you can even just drop a lawn and leaf bag down in the bucket, throw all of your meat from your deer. So, I mean, if you kill a, a big one, maybe you need two buckets or something. But um, essentially debone all your meat. And then, and, and really you don't even have to do that. If you have two buckets, if you have a fridge big enough for two buckets or three or whatever, you can literally stuff like, a shoulder and a ham and a loin mm -hmm. and, and whatever in one and then same in the other and let them sit in the refrigerator, turn it down until you basically see the little ice crystals form on the outside of the deer. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, it, you leave it in there for about a week and about every day, every other day, go out and empty the blood out of the bucket and it's literally like you hung the deer in cold weather for a week. It's well, awesome. And that that's the part that I want to get across to people is that like this, this is a way to debone. Um, like this is not a whole quarters. This is not like, you know, I I've seen guys where they, they basically take old fridges and turn it into basically a hanging room where they, where you hang whole quarters and that kind of stuff, which is cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't got any room to do that in my house. So, but when you when you when you're dealing with debone meat and uh, not everybody can do this, um, 
a lot of people, I think, get afraid of like, well, what am I going to do? Uh, so I, I, I want to be clear. I don't have this big elaborate setup. I have a deck on the back of my house. I mounted an eye bolt. I put my gambrel through there and I pull as hard as I can to get the deer up. I try to either get my wife or somebody to push the deer up while I pull the rope up. I tie it off and then I put a tarp around it. So my neighbors don't get freaked out by me processing a deer. And you know, I've got a stand up, for, I've got a stand up freezer, but it's not massive. It's not, it's not like one of those big white ones that sit on the ground. Like I used to have that you can store like four dead bodies in. Um, <laughs> like I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer, but like there, there's, there's a reality that I think a lot of people you get worried. <laughs> you could leave now. Um, there, there's a reality that people I think get scared in how they're going to store their deer. And there is a very simple process to this. Um, if you're going to kill a deer, make sure you've got a place to store it. When, when, yeah, have a plan. This, this is important because if you don't have enough room for it and you're going to, and you're going to allow for that, like you can give the meat to people who can, or you can pat, like learn how to package it up. Um, butcher's paper is great. Uh, but it's not going to solve all your problems, especially if you if you have um, bone in stuff. It doesn't keep real great. Uh, I I'm a big proponent of not um, putting saran wrap and stuff around the meat. I like I I, I well I, I'll be honest. I do it with my turkey to like give it form. Like so like when I bring them out of the freezer, and I know that I want to like make turkey nuggets or something like that for my kids, <clears throat> it'll still be frozen in a certain way that I packaged it where I just pop the freezer paper off of it, unwrap the cellophane, and then when it gets just to, like, not to room temperature, but, like, just gets that nice cutting thing, I can just cut, and it's in the right right shape, right size, and then I can go ahead and I can start doing my breading and stuff. Okay. So these are these are just different ways of going about it. Um, but you know, a whole deer can fit on a shelf in your in your in your freezer, and if you're worried about it that much, um, you know, you and I were talking. You start out with one of those KitchenAid grinders on the front of your KitchenAid mixer, right? Uh, that is how I started. So I I can remember very distinctly my parents had a hand grinder, and we would grind the deer meat. Then you'd grind suet, then you'd grind them together. We don't do suet anymore. Um, I, I I double grind my venison, and I don't add any meat. And I I prefer to add fats when I'm cooking. I feel like it's better. Uh, I know a lot of people add like bacon or back like hog fat or things like that in there. I just I'm not a huge fan of doing that. Okay. I've never, I've never ground any, any fat into any of my meat before. I've always mm -hmm. just trimmed it up and ground it. But I tell you what, that, that KitchenAid grinder, mm -hmm. it's cool for somebody that kills like a deer or something a year or whatever, anything beyond one or two deer. It's just so much work because you have to literally trim the hell out of the meat. Yeah. It's gotta be perfect. To, I mean, it's, 
it doesn't grind like a good grinder, which my grinder isn't great. Yeah. I think I paid like 180 bucks for it back in 2015 or something. Mm -hmm. And I got it on eBay. And you, I mean, I'll bet if you stuck your hand in there, it'd turn it into burger bone and all. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the, the, those industrial grinders like that, the LEMs, the mega meats. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not that good, but I will say it's solid, but it's not like probably what Josh's dad Josh's young one and a half horsepower. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not anything like that. No, no, no. And uh, my my parents have one that's uh, I think it's a three quarter horsepower. Jesus. Um, yeah, I mean it's either half or three quarter, and that that thing just like flies through like all the sinew and everything, and like you got to trim the silver skin off of it, otherwise you're going to be eating it. But I mean, it, it pushes it through no problem whatsoever, and it 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 puts things through like butter. So, the the these are different ways, guys. If you're looking at processing, um, go online. You know, figure some of this stuff out on like what you want before you go and shoot a deer. Because a lot of people, even when they show up to a processor, uh, and and I, I want to say this. This isn't against any processor. It's not. Um, they they're running a business. They're doing something good, and, and I and I appreciate that. If you want your meat back, you better make sure that you're taking it to a processor that guarantees that, because there are plenty of processors out there who will say, "How much did your deer weigh?" and then they'll throw it on there, and then they'll say, "What do you want?" and they'll have like these packages available. And then they just show, they just give you deer meat because they've got it. They've, they've got it in there and you're not getting your deer back. If you want your deer back, the best way to do it, obviously is process it yourself, but if not work with a processor who is going to give you yours back, man, I couldn't even imagine that. That would no, be, I can't either. Could you imagine getting a person's meat that like rode their buck around in the truck for a day, day and a half? Oh, 70 out. Dude, I, I, I've heard horror stories where, like, they open up the meat. They're like, this doesn't smell right. I'm like, well, where'd you go? And they gave me the name of the processor. I'm like, well, it's not your deer. Like, I guarantee, like, how, like how quick they have it. Oh, like a day? I'm like, no. Like, they, they get 40 deer a day in there. There's no way that they got your deer back to you in that time. It, it it's They went to the freezer, and they found some, and they put it in there. And you may have, like, Billy Bob's buck from you know, early season that, you know, got a little sunburnt. Why does it have to be Billy Bob? Because uh, I'm in Kentucky. Why can't it be like Rick? Because or... <laughs> Rick, Rick wouldn't do that. Because <laughs> Rick, because Rick ain't going to do that. Because <laughs> oh, if it lays in the sun too long, it's probably already coyote meat in my eyes. Got dang Billy Bob. <laughs> so so there, there's 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 lots of different ways of doing this and I, I i can't stress enough one of the best things you can do for yourself and for your friends and for your family is learn how to process your own deer process your yeah. own animals like um even even if it's even if you are very uncomfortable with the idea of starting with a deer very easy entry levels squirrels rabbits pheasant pheasant is like the easiest thing to like skin on the face of the earth like it's got six connection points and you just pop all those and then you got a whole pheasant and you just take the guts out um 
you know, there's there's lots of different ways of doing this stuff. But if 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 you're uncomfortable with it, you know, find a mentor or somebody who's willing to help you, let alone let you hang your deer at their place and go about it that way. Because once you know how to do it, then you can show the next person and the next person and the next person. Yeah, I, I will say I was interested in learning to cut my own meat, you know, learning how to butcher skin mm -hmm. deer, field dress deer, break it down completely. And my grandpa taught me that, Papa. And um, it's crazy because now all these people that I meet, I realize how lucky I really am mm -hmm. to know that mm -hmm. and to have that skill set. Um, I mean, I've been doing this since I was like 15, 16 years old. And yep. my God, uh, it's, it is invaluable. Like, it, oh, I, it's, I, it's awesome to have. Yeah. And, you know, the funny part is, I don't know if it's just me or if it's like a primal thing that we all feel or whatever, but I'm, I'm probably happier when I'm butchering a deer. Oh than, yeah. Then, and it, like, I don't know what it is, even if it's a buddy's doesn't have to be mine. I love cutting up deer. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a great up. thing. It's amazing. Well, it, 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 it's kind of a communal thing. Like I know, um, Whenever I kill a deer in Ohio, I will typically go over to a friend or one of our uh, friends' homes and sit there and have a beer or a bourbon with them while we're going through and we're doing it. And it's just something to sit there and talk about the hunt again. And you can kind of reminisce about ones that they've had or how they've done things and talk about like why you're doing stuff. And it's it's, it's just a good experience to have. Yeah. So what what is what is one thing? that you have in your hunting pack now that you didn't have in your hunting pack five years ago for butchering a hunting pack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think I carry, let's see five years ago. So what is that? Uh, 2017. Okay. So I, I had a hunting pack then. Um, well, I didn't kill. So I started hunting public land five years ago. Technically. Mm -hmm. I mean, 2016, I hunted elk in Colorado, yeah. but other than that, I didn't hunt deer on public. I didn't hunt turkeys on public. Uh, I started hunting deer on public land with Matt Amron. Um, we went to a place that I send all the out-of-state people now. <laughs> it gets pressured as hell, but my first time ever going there, first sit, had to little bucks come right under me and i thought this is cool as hell you know i was away from people i didn't hear four wheelers running around and all that and people shooting guns everywhere despite being on public land and um i kind of became obsessed with it a little bit and mm -hmm. um as i've lost farms you know people are dying and people are leasing and the whole nine. So we lose farms and, um, as all that's happened and I've kind of seen the way things are going. And of course my ability to have access to all this endless information. Um, I've become obsessed with hunting these deer on public. Mm -hmm. 
I like it. I like it more than private. Don't get me wrong. Private's cool, but I like being able to walk for a mile or two without having to worry about a property line. And um, it's nice that I can find out where a buck's bedded and not be like, well, he's three properties over. Uh, hope he comes in this year. Mm -hmm. So with that said, uh, hmm, what's a good thing? So I wasn't a mobile hunter really then. I mean, I used a climber, but um, those things, I mean, that. I mean, I know you're mobile, but you're really, really, really limited there. Um, what would I say? Okay. Oh, perfect. Milkweed. Mm -hmm. um, it's not for butchering, but that's something that's in my pack for butchering. Uh, a, a knife sharpener. Cause I didn't. Damn it. That was always going to be mine. Didn't, <laughs> I didn't need to sharpen my knife. Right. Because I was just field dressing a deer. If I got one, I didn't kill a deer on public land until 2019. Mm -hmm. um, that was that piebald buck in Kentucky. Yep. And then I think, I think that, no, it was the next year that I killed a, uh, yeah, it was 2020. I killed a doe on public here. You know what? I take that back. I did kill a doe that same year on public where mm -hmm. your dad grew up. Yeah. Hunting. Yeah. Um, on uh, gun weekend. Um, but I mean, it was literally, I don't know. I shot the deer and it ran over by the road and I think we drug it yeah. 40 yards. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd have to say a knife sharpener as far as butchering stuff goes. Okay. Yeah. I was okay. going to say a knife sharpener. That was, that was going to be, that was going to be mine too is, uh, they're not, they're not, uh, hard to find. You can pick up, a. Uh, a work sharp one for 20 bucks and it's you know no longer than your cell phone it's got you know three different ways to sharpen your knives uh it's even got a thing to like sharpen fishing hooks if you really want to but uh it's nice to have especially just to keep out when you are processing a deer on a gambrel for for that period of time too because you don't have to keep running in using a knife sharpener or anything like that you can just take it yeah. there's nothing worse than a dull knife in trying to butcher a deer or trying to gut a deer it, it is like you know one of the suckiest things ever also it's very so, dangerous well yeah i mean uh you know we talk about you talked about cutting the hide earlier instead of the hair you know, I've always always taught you make a small slit, you put two fingers in, and then you run the knife between your fingers. You got a dull blade. You're trying to shove that through there. You're going to cut your hand, and it's going to, you know, you're going to be bleeding as much as that damn deer was. Yeah, you can. And the other thing is you're not getting as clean of a cut if you cut yourself. But really, there's less effort involved with a good sharp knife. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm still learning the process myself when it comes to doing this not in a controlled environment. If mm -hmm. I'm in a controlled environment, it's absolutely stupid how fast I can break down a deer. Like I'm not as good as the guys who, you know, do this for a living, you right. know, like 50 or 60 a day or something, but um I can break one down pretty quick. Uh it, it's a good sharp knife is tough to beat. You know, one thing I had never used that I'm thinking about playing with is a gambrel. Mm -hmm. I, I had always hung the deer by mm -hmm. one leg. Really? 
went off that, but I really like that gambrel. Man, it's nice. Yeah. I, I, I it, it makes everything. I mean, it's just all kind of like there in front of you. It's, yeah. it's just you don't you don't have to worry about hoisting it back up or putting stuff back. It's like it's all right there. And especially, I mean, you've got that, you know, your meat cooler now, you know, you, you've been down to Bruce's. It, it becomes so simple where you just like once you have the deer, if you don't want to, like if you've got it skinned out, you just hang the gambrel in there and then the deer's in there. You don't have to worry about it. You ain't got to think about it. It's already all taken care of. No, I will say that pelvic hanger. Yeah. Thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you remove everything out of that cavity. You can put that pelvic hanger in there, which it does. You know, I, I never remove that stuff when I hang a deer up um, right. the way I do it. Uh, I, I never had to because none of that touches the meat. So now if you're going to hang that deer whole for a week, you need to remove it. But yeah, I always quarter deer out, debone it before I'd let it age in the fridge or whatever I was going to do. Mm-hmm. So, but that pelvic hanger keeps both legs free and, you know, allows you to let gravity help you as you peel that leg, those hind legs off there. Yeah. It's really nice. So, nice. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say like any other thoughts, conclusions. Uh, well, I would definitely, go with what you said earlier um as far as people having a plan you know even that that deer i killed the other day um i i got it done quick by myself all the other deer i've had help love you josh um but have a plan because even you know myself who's very very experienced at cutting up deer start mm-hmm. to finish man it's a job it's a chore and if you don't have the right tools with you it is gonna suck yep so don't be that guy and leave stuff this is, okay so here's what i'll tell people if you want to hunt far away from your truck you better be prepared to carry your stuff far from your truck because mm-hmm. i'm going to tell you right now if you're hunting in places like myself and josh and pierce where it is zero fun to get there in the first place. The last thing you want to do is hike out to your truck and then go back and then come back to the truck. Like to give you guys a perfect example. I was like 1.3 miles in the other night. Um, I shoot this deer. If I have to go to the truck, we're looking at like 40 plus minutes. It was a 41 minute hike with my pack and deer meat in. Ugh. Um, but I was, I was hoofing it pretty good. And 27 of those minutes were going down one side of a ravine and back up the other side. I guess yep. so incredibly steep that if it wasn't <clears throat> a drought right now, I would have probably fallen multiple times yeah. and it would have been like, that's the only reason I did it as fast as I did a 41 minute, hike so you're going to do stuff like that and try like the sort of minor backcountry experience i would highly recommend taking a game bag with you or a trash bag at least to protect Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, keep some of the blood off your pack and then unscented builders bags. Yeah. And then you can even use a pillowcase. Yep. Um, just take something to put the meat in, uh, and then make sure you've got a knife and a sharpener. Mm -hmm. Um, it never hurt a guy to have a piece of paracord or something to hold a leg up tied to a branch or whatever, if you need that, or to hold them in a tree, even though I will say you can absolutely hang all four quarters from a climbing stick. <laughs> that was cool as hell. Um, but just make sure you have a plan, man. Uh, and don't, you know, you don't, if you look at what I did the other day, I mean, <clears throat> we're talking about an extra hour and 20 minutes and a bunch of effort you know, a bunch of calories burnt and a bunch mm -hmm. of, you know, you're look, if you don't have extra water, I mean, that's going to be a really crappy experience. And I have no, I have no want, I, I don't want to do that ever. So have a plan, yeah. have a place to store your deer, have a place to hang your deer, whatever you need, you know, for your situation, get a plan together because you don't want to be scrambling. You sure as hell don't want to lose that deer meat. No, you don't. So before I hit mine, first is first. If you got the ability to take somebody out in the woods uh, this weekend or coming up, uh, a kid, adult, or otherwise, it's always great to get somebody in the outdoors. Now, couple things. My concluders, and this this is uh, re realizing this uh that some people might might not have thought of this and we should have said this earlier. If you are storing your meat in someone else's freezer, make sure you have your name, address and confirmation number attached to that meat. Yep. It is it is it is a legality. You have to do that. Um that is so if for some reason your buddy gets, you know, the game warden called on them and they come in and start, you know, hauling meat out of their freezer. Yours is, you know, <clears throat> got all the information correctly marked on it. If you are, this is more not, this part is not for deer though. If you're hunting migratory birds and you are crossing state lines, please remember you have to have one full wing attached of the animal with that no feathers taken off of it or the head of the animal with no feathers taken off of it. It is so it can be properly identified. It's waterfowl season. This is something that commonly happens is guys will go hunt ducks in Arkansas or Mississippi or Louisiana or some areas and they won't think twice about it. They'll come back. It is a federal law that you have to do that. So save yourself a headache and a lawyer and make sure you're following uh, game laws. Final one, look at your regs. Some states require you to show proof of sex of the animal. Yep, um, that was a good you, one. You, if you shoot an antelope buck out west, most of those states require you to keep gonads on the buck or on the side of the leg or wherever you got them hanging from. So the, they have to be attached to a piece of the meat. So That's normally, so huh? That's so stupid. I, I, 
you know, I, I guess I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily understand all the rules behind it, but it, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's, I don't know if it's one of those old laws that's just kind of like it's there, like a blue law or something like that. But be sure it, to it, take care of that meat and put his balls <laughs> on there. Make sure his balls are on there, bro. <laughs> kill the moose. Make sure you leave all, you know, the biggest mother freaking uh, herbivore in North America. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and just keep all that meat on the bone so it can ruin. Like, what yeah. the hell is wrong with people? So, so be sure you're checking your regs because that's always important. And make sure you get your out-of-state stamp. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you that don't know, this is a little tidbit for you to enjoy before we let you go. Um, I was trying to screw with Rick in our team message thread, and I asked him if he got his out-of-state stamp. Uh, you have to have those in Ohio, according to a study I just made up. And he caught on to it very quickly. I, he's all about rules and regs and everything and being like uber strict by the book, right? So I figured I would try to prey on that and it didn't work. Well, Josh only saw part of it, what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't read a little ways down and see the part where we talked about how I was just kidding. <laughs> so I just continued on. And then as I saw everybody's little emojis dropping down in the Facebook Messenger app in the thread, I would text them and be like, hey, don't screw this up, man. We got a good thing going. Keep him going. <laughs> so then here's more creates a damn stamp. And it was the greatest thing ever. He called the DNR and everything. <laughs> So if you see Josh, I, I want you to post about this. It, when you hear this on Monday, post about it on the page and let's have an open convo about it. <laughs> oh man. It, it was times it made, it made for a real good morning is, oh, is what it did. It was great. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppard. Guys, thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you later. Bye. See you.